Jesus came down with the twelve and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all who were in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. Then he looked up at his disciples, and he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. And woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. You're shining your light, and shine it you should, but you're so heavenly-minded, you're no earthly good. If you're holding heaven, then spread it around. There's hungry hands reaching up here from the ground. Move over and share the high ground where you stood. So heavenly-minded, you're no earthly good. The gospel ain't gospel until it is spread. But how can you share it where you've got your head? There's hands that reach out for a hand if you would. So heavenly-minded, you're no earthly good. Anybody recognize these words? Oh man, I thought there would be at least one. All right, it's not another rhyming sermon, fear not. It's a Johnny Cash song called No Earthly Good. Yeah, now you all know. Okay, all right, yeah, Johnny Cash songs, of course. He wrote it back in 1977 for one of his albums called The Rambler. So heavenly-minded, you're no earthly good. You know, Christians talk a lot about heaven. In fact, our whole culture does. Heaven isn't even a particularly religious idea anymore. There are so many different images when it comes to heaven, and everybody has their own idea of what heaven is like. I remember one episode of The Simpsons. When March arrives at the pearly gates, she discovers Protestant heaven on one cloud, where people are all very proper, dressed in sweaters and playing croquet, while Catholic heaven is on another cloud. And it's this giant party and feast where everyone is dancing and having fun. Look at that, Simpsons and Johnny Cash in one sermon. What a good morning. But here's something interesting. Jesus didn't talk about heaven very much. Or at least not heaven in the sense of some distant, 
otherworldly spiritual place that you can get to. He, he did sometimes. He talked about the angels of heaven and regularly said that heaven is God's dwelling place. There's a story in the Gospel of Luke about a poor man who dies and receives all kinds of blessings in the afterlife while a rich man who ignores him doesn't. Before he died, Jesus told his friends that in God's heavenly home, there are many rooms and that Jesus was going there to prepare a place for them. And remember, even on the cross, he said to one of the thieves, today you'll be with me in paradise. But most of the time when Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven, he spoke about it like it's this reality where everything is in accordance with the way God wants it to be. And that it's not only, not only, not only found in some far off spiritual place but it's something he was bringing to this world. He talked about the kingdom of heaven like it was something already here and something that was still coming, like a a seed that's been planted and is just starting to grow. He started so many parables by saying, the kingdom of heaven is like. And then he would describe what the reality of God's heavenly kingdom looks like, but not just in the sense that one day we'll experience it after we're dead, but rather as a reality, we're invited to be part of here and now in this world. You can live according to God's heavenly kingdom now, Jesus said. You can experience God's heavenly kingdom now. You can have your heart's and your mind transformed so that you see and think and understand yourself and God and this world around you according to the ways of God's heavenly kingdom here and now. I think it is so important that most of the time Jesus spoke about heaven in this way and not just as some place we go to after we die. And I think it's really significant that Jesus didn't describe exactly what heaven looks like and what everyone there is doing and all the details that we often wonder about. He makes no mentions of clouds and harps and anything like that. That's kind of weird, isn't it? You'd think that explaining what the afterlife and what heaven looks like would be like very high on a religious leader's list. But Jesus didn't do that. As some of you know, back in my 20s, I did some mission work down in the country of Panama. My home church partnered with a Jesuit mission that was nestled at the base of this huge mountain range. These mountains were so remote, and it was really hard for people to scratch out a living there. The soil was not very good, and it was so steep. They didn't have basic supplies or even utilities, and of course, that's where the natives had been forced to live, in a reservation that the government had oh so graciously gifted to them. This Jesuit mission existed to serve these indigenous people any way they could. They they did things like teach sustainable farming practices, 
And they offered classes where people could learn skills that they could take back to their village to teach to others and and use to make a living. They even built a small hospital for pregnant women to live in before they delivered so that they didn't try to hike for days to get out of the mountains before delivering their child. It It was amazing work. And I remember talking to the the priest who was there, Padre Adonai, and he told me that one of the barriers that kept him from really helping people, that kept him from really improving things, was other Christians. Groups who came in and told the natives that it was fine for them to suffer, they would get their reward in heaven that they shouldn't worry about their situation because when they got to heaven, God would take care of things, that they shouldn't bother to struggle and labor and fight for something better because what happens in this life doesn't matter anyway. So heavenly-minded, you know earthly good. This kind of thinking is part of what Martin Luther was responding to back in the Protestant Reformation. You see, at that time, people were taught that the most holy life you could live, the most faithful life you could live, was to enter a monastery and leave the world behind. To enter a monastery where you could be cloistered off from the needs and concerns and troubles of this world, free to cast away the physical things so you could concentrate on prayer and reflection and spiritual things. But this morning, Jesus tells us that physical things and spiritual things don't have clear boundaries. They don't fit easily into two separate categories. They can't be separated quite so simply, that the spiritual and the physical are inextricably connected. We heard the words, Blessed are the poor. Full stop, right there. Not the poor in spirit, like in Matthew's version. Not some spiritualized version of poverty. Physical poverty. Blessed are people who are physically poor, homeless, destitute. We heard it. Blessed are the hungry, not those hungering for God, not those hungering for righteousness like in Matthew's version or hungering for greater spiritual enlightenment, physical hunger. Blessed are people who need more food, people who are starving. According to Jesus, these are people that matter to God. And these things are not just physical issues, they're also deeply spiritual I think the reason Jesus didn't spend a lot of time talking about what heaven and eternity looks like is because that isn't where he wants us to put most of our time and attention and energy. He doesn't want us to become so heavenly-minded that we're no earthly good. God wants us to be grounded in this world. Our goal as Christians is not to escape the material world, to leave the world behind, to cloister ourselves off from the world around us, to transcend the physical in pursuit of the spiritual. 
Our mission is to help bring God's kingdom here by loving and serving this world and by proclaiming through our words and actions the good news that the kingdom of heaven has drawn near to us in Jesus Christ, here and now. Rather than pulling us away from earth into some distant heaven, our faith pulls us more deeply into this world. It dares us to draw heaven here so that it may be on earth as it is in heaven. Christ calls us to be midwives, helping to give birth to God's kingdom in this world through our love, our actions, our advocacy, so that the poor can know they are blessed, so that the hungry are filled, so that those who weep have cause for joy, and not just in some distant, far-off spiritual future, but here and now. And you know what? We'll never fully accomplish that goal. The work will never be done. God's kingdom will only be fully ushered in when Jesus returns. And until then, the best we can do is just use what the Spirit gives us to provide glimpses of heaven in ways that will usually feel far too small and seem far too fleeting. We cannot fully bring heaven to earth, not on our own. But you know what? We can't let that keep us from trying, can we? Johnny Cash had it right. But like most things, our spiritual life is about balance. Are we supposed to think about heaven? Embrace the promise of eternity? Recognize this physical world is not all there is? Trust in and be motivated by our faith that we will live with Christ in heaven? Absolutely. Are we supposed to think about this world, embrace the physical needs of others, recognize that while we are here, it is our job to serve this world in any way we can, to be motivated by Christ's love so we can love and care for others? You betcha. Let us not become so heavenly-minded that we're no earthly good not reduce our faith to just a personal thing that's primarily about our own piety and inner spiritual life that focuses only on the heavenly life to come. But let us also not become so earthly useful that we're no longer heavenly minded. Not think of the church as just another social service agency. Not lose sight of the fact that our ultimate hope is in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not forget that this life is not all that there is. And it's our connection to Jesus, the one who shows us unconditional love, the one who died on the cross and rose again. It's that connection that empowers us to keep loving those around us. So may God help us to be heavenly minded. And may God And I suppose from time to time, Johnny Cash, keep us earthly good. Amen.